0: Welcome guys to the latest episode of the podcast, uh, this is Over The Bridge. Joined today with this lovely weather, by the way, very rare occasion, we've got the sun out.
1: Like holiday weekend. Getting a couple of cans in. Yeah, yeah of me. Cans still so,
0: Julie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's Maya joined by Bilal.
2: Hello, hello, Patrick. Wheel up the blood clot.
0: You got some as well. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I've been away. You <laughs> know that was a bit of a creepy yes. You
3: you enjoy this a, genocide, a bit too much? <laughs> yeah. 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 The
0: sun, the sun. The sun gassed a little bit. Yeah, small, small. But yeah. Um. So yeah, I've been away for a little while. You know, I wasn't there in the latest episode because um I was away on a meditation retreat. I was off in a mountain. You know what I mean, ten mm. days silence. Which was good. I think we'll touch on it a little bit further um, in as we kind of develop in the conversation. But um, it was a really needed uh, ten days away to kind of regroup and um, get back into the practice because it's something I've been doing for a while. But um, yeah, we'll touch on that a little bit more. But this episode, we're going to be talking about mental health. um, Maybe touch on some of our personal experiences with it. Um, Not necessarily the kind of mental because obviously none of us here are mental health kind of professionals but obviously we've all had our own experiences and experiences of um, people that are dear to us so we're going to talk about that uh, maybe how it relates to other aspects of our kind of day-to-day lives so maybe to kick off i don't know if you should get personal straight away or if you should like i don't know
3: well look i think the question is like when was the first time you had to confront your mental health
0: Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm.
3: yeah okay See, so he's getting first. He was a jump in first. <laughs> All
2: right then. So um I think for me, this Bilal, the first time I really confronted my mental health wasn't until probably third year of university. Mm. Cause it just never been a conversation ever. That I'd ever I'd never I've never even never even crossed my mind there could be something like wrong or that like, I could feel mentally unwell. Um, because I think for me growing up um very much was just you just get on with it. Like that was the that was a I did I had you just get on with things and then suddenly around like third year of uni loads of my good friends were like dropping out or taking time out for their mental health or mental health related issues and at that point I I then started questioning my own self and how stressed I was mm-hmm. I was like this is actually the things that I'm doing and the way that I'm acting is not the normal like quote unquote the normal me mm-hmm. um, and then I realized actually I'm not feeling that great and Perhaps there is something here for me to think about, about how well I feel mentally. Mm. If that makes sense.
0: No, I get you. Um, I would probably agree and say that my first encounter with, or the first time I've had to really address my mental health would have been uni as well. But then kind of looking back, I think even in like college, like sixth form days, I had about like a period where I was like very down and I can't really pinpoint why that was. But I was only retrospectively thinking about my behavior and even the way that um, like my friends used to rip me. Basically, this is so weird, but I had a laptop, right, that I used to bring in for, like, lessons and stuff.
1: White Label Classics, yeah? Eh? White Label
0: Classics. No, no, no. Like, my laptop was just, um, it was one, like, dead acer thing. I don't know. But basically, I had, like, as a screensaver, it was so sneaky. But, yeah, I had, like, a it was, there's a guy's hand or a piece of paper that says happiness on it as, like, a reminder to, like, be happy. And one time I read and saw, it, he's like, "What the fuck's going on with you?" Like, well, i will come for that. But um, looking back, I didn't. I don't know. Mm. But I was only looking back. I'm thinking, well, oh, maybe I was I was down in it." Like, yeah, there's a reason that's, why I did that's that. That's
2: the thing in it because that that made me think because so often whenever you had those sort of motivational quotes or thing, everyone's like, "Come on, man! Like, why are you mm. being such a unique?" Or like, "What what's that about?" But maybe generally you you needed that as like a support. Yeah, need that as an aid. But there was, like, this thing of... And I don't know if it was, like, a guy thing or if it happened with girls as well, because, I, to be honest, I don't really know. But mm. I wonder whether or not it was just people trying to belittle you for thinking about your mental health at that probably, age. Probably.
0: Probably. And I guess it was just a little bit out of... Char- I wouldn't even say it's out of character, because it was just a bit weird. Yeah, I think for them, it was just like, oh, like, mm. that's a bit... I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, then I think where I probably really, like, acknowledged it was at uni and... That was a mixture of not really adapting very well to the changing environment. Mm-hmm. Um, every it was a it was a massive culture shock to me, to be honest, when I first went to uni, and like just the social side of things. Um, I mean, I got on pretty well, like with my college, like other people from my college. I can chat to them, whatever. You, but I never it was always very surface level in it. So even though I had a few like good friends for like through the ACS or whatever you. I still felt very lonely at times at uni and um also the pressure of the work like the workload and like the pressure that I felt from okay I need to do well as well as the, the in the sense always performing well academically throughout my whole kind of academic career and then finally I'm at uni which is meant to be the pinnacle when you're really just meant to like kill mm. it and just top mm. it off and then I'm like well I'm actually struggling like I'm not the smartest kid here um and because that was so attached to my identity beforehand, like even mm-hmm. with my, within my family, like, that's oh, yeah, Kay's the smart one. Like, even Cambridge and da, da, da. Um, then that's being challenged. So it's like, okay, now I have to reassess who I am. I'm not the smart one now. I'm kind of like, shit, so who, I, who am I kind of thing. So there's so many different elements, stuff that was going on with my girlfriend at the time. um, And yeah, it, it kind of all led up to a point where I think there was one evening where I was just like, I didn't have like a breakdown or anything like that, but I was just kind of like just proper low. I think it might've been the day before an exam. So well. I was like, I'm not prepared. Mm. I'm going to get kicked out. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Mm. Like, and I was just in bits. I had to call my brother up and he kind of just like really just, um, and I'm so like grateful that I had him as well. Cause like he was able to kind of talk, sensing to me just like, do you know what? Like life is so much deeper than like what you're going through now. Mm. This will pass. Like just, just kind of do the exam. Even if you flop, what's the worst that can happen mm. That kind of thing, in it, And that kind of calmed me down a little bit. But, um yeah, that's the first time I... i, I well, ask you something. Yeah.
2: So, like, you calling your brother up, was that because you didn't know where else to... Like, was there was there nowhere else for you to go to mm. at uni? Or was it just like, actually, I know that me and my brother have this level of relationship? Yeah, felt, yeah, yeah
0: I think too. one thing was definitely I felt comfortable chatting to my brother. But also, it's a weird one, because you're always told about what's available to you at uni, like the different services. But I never felt... Comfortable enough to go up. Like even when I was struggling academically, whenever my director of studies will say to me, "Like, oh, how are you finding the work?" and I'll be like, "Oh, yeah, it's okay." Like, I never, I've never felt comfortable asking for help for some reason, mm. um, and that translated as well within like the mental health aspect of it, where I did feel like I was struggling, and it wasn't anything. To, I, I, I want to kind of, I wasn't diagnosed with anything. I don't, I don't know how deep it really was, but I think it was like, if anything, it kind of fell along the lines of like anxiety and. Mm little bouts of depression as well. I can't self-diagnose like that, but that's what Mm. I think is the closest in terms of symptoms. So there was times when literally I wouldn't want to come out my room um, because I just didn't want to have to chat to like my neighbors or like stuff like that. Like it was was very out of character for me. But um, Mm. yeah. And then I think uni was like a big incubator of that feeling because once I left, it did change quite drastically. Um, And I still had little periods when I was like, kind of in between jobs and deciding what my next move was where I had little periods where I felt a bit down. But Mm. yeah, I think there's always been a cause. It's never been just kind of like, it's always been a sense of being lost or being lonely that I think has triggered any kind of mental health Mm -hmm. issue with me personally. Yeah. Patrick, Tom?
3: Yeah. Um, Again, for me, uh, first time I think I had to confront mental health um, personally was at university. Uh, final year, actually, um, to be specific. Um, and yeah, like Kweku, um was saying, like, uni was tough. Like, you, you do have this thing where for the first time, perhaps in your life, you are in a situation where you're no longer the big fish in, in the pond anymore. Like... Mm-hmm you're in a bigger pond and there's lots of big fish. And I think um, what it is, is that for, like you are sort of uh, questioning your, your very sort of personhood, like, you know, what you are known for, like your intelligence or your ability to, you know, speak a language or whatever, like the thing that you're good at, Suddenly, when you, when you get to somewhere like Cambridge, it's like, okay, so I'm not actually, I'm actually not that special. Um, so, I mean, for me, like in first, or second year, I didn't really have that. Like, um, it was it was a different experience. Suddenly, not being you know one of the smartest people, um, but when when I really had to like sort of confront my mental health was final year of university after I'd been away um, on my year abroad for a, a year, um, and um, I had a really good year abroad, and I spent like ninety nine percent of it just in the sun. Like I was in Brazil for eight months, and then Yeah, done it, done it, done it from <laughs> early um so yeah 8 months in Brazil and, and 3 three months in Cuba so i had this year abroad where literally i was just like i was just in the sun like i was in an environment where i was surrounded by lots of people that looked like me mm-hmm. um and then i had to like it was such a stark contrast from that to and i was very creative as well when i was doing my year abroad like i was doing a bit of journalism um, i was studying music as well so like I went from this really like vibrant experience to back at Cambridge, um, and like I just remember like winter time it just being very dark. A lot of my friends had moved on as well, so like a lot of my grounding had, had left as well. Why you put sunglasses on, brother? <laughs> no, yeah, I just, I just had a feel. No, you know what it, you, you, know, you know that when you watch an interview? no, no, wait one
1: second. This is a dark uh, room. Uh, and Tom is wearing sunglasses. Yeah, no, you know what it is. Man? I just keep thinking about those people here yeah, that like when they get interviewed in studios and stuff here, yeah, they just wear sunglasses. <laughs> so I just want to try it out and see. It feels <laughs> it. Yeah, let me get my headphones. Get it, I like, like I love let's what my headphones try it. <laughs> well. You know they like man. But you're wearing a hat in the studio anyway. <laughs> and I know Whoa, your hair is for the look. I
3: know
1: you guy in the nineties. Look, man, looking what like you I mean, from from I know that. for a fact that you cannot
3: see because it's dark I can in see, already, I can see. Anyway, let An me, let me, let me, get rough. <laughs> <you're laughs> <like, laughs> I was proper like, sorry, sorry You are making a deep point point. Yeah, man. Your, your point just, was, I'll let you know, you me Your point was, yeah. Okay,
1: man, all right, let me, no, Eight months Brazil, three months Cuba. Yeah, so when I come back, it was,
3: it was, yeah, it was more than that though. Like, it was dark, it was cold. A lot of my friends had gone and it was funny. It was really, really hard work. Let me just, I'm
0: like,
3: it's so wayward. <laughs> yeah, man, come on, this is so unnecessary. Yeah. Um, well, I to do that. But too. yeah, no, um, it's all right, man, I, it's, it's cool, it's cool. Um, but yeah, I, I remember just like, I'm sitting down to do my work at uni in my final year and like, I just sit like facing the wall and I just, like, I can't do anything. Like I can't I can't put my pen to paper and write something Like like, let's say I'm writing an essay. Like the most basic of things like getting up in the morning was a struggle mm. even like just leaving my room to go to the kitchen to get make a meal because it was like i didn't really want to interact with anyone like um and yeah i think thankfully for me in my final year though so we have at cambridge we have tutors and um it's like the terminology is slightly misleading tutors are like they're for your pastoral care um so they actually don't they've got nothing to do with your with your with being taught um per se it's just like how you're doing as a person at university, so I had a really good tutor in my final year of university, much better than my first two years. So um, that tutor came at a good time, um, and she was very supportive, um, and she was very concerned as well. And I, 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 to be honest, I don't think that that was the the. I think that was the anomaly. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't the rule in Cambridge. Like I spoke to a lot of people who, yeah, they didn't really feel supported by their tutors. I mean, we graduated like five years ago now so maybe a lot yeah. has changed but mm. i remember when we were there there was like a lot of talk of you know people struggling with mental health mm. um and while the university like made sure like they were like look you don't need to worry about anything apart from studying like come to us blah 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 um, and that, that, that was like the policy but like when it came down to like individual um individual people like the people that were in charge of your pastoral care your tutors a lot of them they probably weren't qualified to do that kind of thing was, really yeah. um and
2: yeah, I, I always wonder this because I'm like, well, what what qualifications do you have mm-hmm. to be telling me how to best look after myself yeah. mentally? Yeah. Um, and that's why I, I think for me, that's why I didn't feel ever, that's why I never felt comfortable going to these people mm. being like, these are my issues. Because mm-hmm. one, you don't know me mm-hmm. and like, too. What, what you're all you're going to do is judge me based on the little that you do know about yeah, me, yeah. and you're going to ask me about my work mm-hmm. rather than like about my actual life. Yeah, because yeah. you have no idea where I've come from, and for the most part, can't
1: relate to that. I, mm. I must admit, though, there was um my not director of studies, my tutor. So I'll just break it down for anyone you may have heard us break it down before, but just for the intents and purposes of this recording, the person in Cambridge who sorts out your studies. Um, and organises your kind of one-on-ones, what we call supervisions, is your director of studies. The person who deals with your pastoral care is known as your tutor. So think about the tutor as the more personal side, and the director of studies as the more academic side. Um, so the director of studies doesn't really care about your personal life; they just care about the grades that you get. Um, and your <coughs> excuse me, your your tutor cares a bit more about your personal. Um, side. My, my tutor was great actually to be completely fair, like she 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 was from, she'd been in the Department of Education for about 30-40 years, so she knew a thing or two about kids having worked with them a lot um, and she, she designed a lot of the curriculum for Key Stage 1, 2 and I think 3 for a lot of kids, so a lot of that was understanding the psychology of kids, how they learn, how they choose to learn, how they, all these kind of things, so she had a, a fair understanding of the kind of psyche of kids and then of older, older students as well mm. And I probably extended to working with some, you know, 18 to 21-year-olds and what have you. Mm. And I remember one time, not having, not having a breakdown or such, but just I just remember just having this kind of like sinking, sinking feeling and just thinking, oh, fuck. Pardon my friends, but I was just like, fuck, I can't, I can't do any of this anymore. But we developed like a really good relationship and she used to sort of just invite me into her mm-hmm. office maybe two or three times a term just to talk about nothing, just to have a nice conversation. And, she, mm-hmm. and I realized, like, looking back, she'd just do it just to make sure that you were ticking all right. And just so she could gauge a level of, uh, even though the interaction was on a lot, she'd just be able to gauge a level of what was normal for the Yeah. Student. Were, mm, yeah. And so mm-hmm. if she ever saw something different, either you were too animated or mm. if you were very low, particularly if you were very low, she could kind of just sort of see that. Yeah, and um, I mean I've said before there was a point in time my mum wasn't very well. She she had like stage three four cancer. She's a, she's a lot better now, but it was just me and her, so it's very kind of difficult. And actually, when I started Cambridge, I, I got I got homesick really quickly, even though I only lived in London. So the coach from Stratford to Cambridge takes about fifteen minutes and change. It was very it was close, but Cambridge was like a very different place. Like yeah. mm-hmm. everyone's alluded to, like your very personhood is questioned because you are known to be. The clever clogs of the class of the borough, or whatever. And then you go to this place where you could just end up being really mediocre, to be honest. Even though when you come back out, you're like, okay, mm-hmm, you're still the bee's knees, but in that pressure cooker, you're like that. You yeah. you just felt you felt to be really mediocre. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. obviously, things that, that was very difficult because I didn't really want to have to go home and have to deal with going to chemo. I did go to all the chemo, well, most of the chemo sessions actually, but mm. I went, but I didn't really have to deal with that. So the place I went to as a, a a place of solace, i.e. my home wasn't a place of solace anymore. It was just a place of having to see I'm looking really ill and upset and almost sometimes losing the fight for life. Anyway, bless God Almighty, she's fine now. But in that time, it was a really dark, dark place. But so my tutor was very kind. And she was like, look, come, come have uh, lunch, dinner with me and my husband. She kind of opened up to a personal household to me. I got a personal line as well. Um, Not just her office email, which is very kind. And I realised it's almost like that is an exception to the rule, but I experienced that nonetheless. But there was one time when um, things were still going on, there was still treatment and whatever, whatever, what And I was just thinking, right, I, just, I really just don't want to be here I'd rather just be home I'd rather just make sure mum's all right If anything means I, I don't do anything I'd rather just be all right And I was I don't actually want to do this so I remember just having A breakdown might be a bit too far But I was just, maybe at midnight I was just like, it was just a midnight one night I can't do this work anymore So I called up my tutor on a personal line mm. Remember it was Vodafone Because I first went to voicemail I remember so vividly. She, had, she, had, she was on Vodafone, mm. and I was thinking, oh, she ain't gonna answer my phone. I don't know. You what called I'm up gonna at do. midnight. Yeah, I called her at midnight. Mm. Still, she, remember, she's 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 a pensioner age. I mean, mm. she retired a year or year or two afterwards, so yeah. she was of like I think she was sixty five or something. God bless mm. her, is it? But then she called me back. I was like, all oh, right, she called me back. She's like, she's like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm okay. She's like, are you at harm? Is there any? Where are you? What are you doing? Like kind of these motherly questions. Like, what's yeah. good? I was like, yeah, I'm just in my room. I don't want to do this anymore. She's like, do you know what? Yeah. Sleep or watch movies, do whatever you need to get yourself to get to sleep. Come and see me and my husband at, I don't know, like 10.30, 11.30 tomorrow. We'll have, like, tea and then some lunch and we can talk about it. So I went to a, her house, which is kind of near Murray Edwards uh, College, for anyone that kind of knows the map of Cambridge, kind of towards... Near to where, where my college was, actually. Yeah, near, near to, near to Fitz. So mm. kind of she, she lived sort of down them sides. Mm. We went and then we spoke. And she's like, listen, if you want to take some time out, She's like, people, and the one thing I'll never forget, she's like, people in Cambridge seem to forget that there is a life outside of work. Mm. It doesn't really matter what grades you come out with at the end, you're still at the Cambridge. She's like, don't be fooled about the fact that you are in this place and you can sometimes be felt, you can feel mediocre. You're still a top student in the grand macro scheme of things. Mm. She's like, don't worry about these things getting to you. And she's like, if you want to go and see a counsellor, let's sort it out. And she was with me. So she said, listen, go on the computer and write, then say you want to use the counselling service. So I did, in her yard. We got on a PC and said, I want to go see a counsellor. And so I said, what do I say? She said, write this, write this, write this. And it wasn't like any con- like conjured answers. It was like, why are you going for this? Why do you need to see a counsellor? Because it's finals. She was just helped me through it. Then I saw a counsellor and the counsellor was like, yo, what's up? counsellor spent time, we spent about an hour or two. All she, di- all she said was, talk to me about your life. That was it. And then at the end she was like, do you know what? Yeah, you'll be fine. You're going through a hard time right now but you'll be okay." She's like, remember, Cambridge is not the be all and end all of the world. That's the most important thing. She said, sometimes I feel like other faculties forget that. Mm-hmm. But here we tell you that it's not the most important. And I was touched by that. And actually when I did it, I was like, do you know what, yeah, I kind of made my piece. I was like, I don't really care how I come out. If I come out alive and my yeah. mom's all right, which thank God Almighty the she is, mm-hmm. then boom. That, that's my experience. It will be a little bit different, but I yeah. I I, feel I should at least share some positives of that that side in it. Sure. Yeah, even you know,
0: with so. that, like I, there's similarities with mine in terms of what you your counselor told you and what your tutor told you is very much the same kind of conversation I had with my brother. It's like, there's you know, this life is more than what you're going mm. through right now mm. in terms of the Cambridge bubble, mm. and um, I actually went counselling as well. I forgot it to even mention in but, Cambridge. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I went to use the, the counselling service. Yeah, I did still. And that was like a really big help for me because. I think chatting to a stranger who has no kind of preconceived mm. ideas of who you are, mm. um, and just being able to be like very, very free and open. I, I know you said Veli. That's when my little Ghanaian side coming vel-y. out it's mad. <laughs> the R's and the L's. Ah, and that. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, is is it was the obviously the kafaic mm. part of like being able to just like just unleash. Yeah. Um, but then having someone that's very objective, just hearing your thoughts and saying. What you say makes sense, but yeah. and then kind of giving you yeah. a counter or like just putting things into perspective for you, which um, yeah, which was very helpful. So counseling definitely definitely helps me in that situation. Can really. I ask
2: something? Because we're kind of talking about mental health at uni and sort of how uni brings this out. Or for a few of us, we've mentioned that this is the first time yep. we ever considered mental health. Right? Mm. What is it specifically about uni? Do you think? Or about that point in your life, then that makes us confront these things? It's very much, I don't know, I think, I think,
1: I, I often think uni is a transition period between being a young man or being a boy and going into a young man slash a man, between being a young man and going to, or a girl and going into young, young woman, womanhood. Uni seems to be that transition, that period of time. Mm. A kind of anecdotal example is you often hear a lot of girls say that when they're in uni, Parents will say, Oh no boyfriend. And then when they come out, where's Osband? You hear that? So there's that kind of there's this kind of transition period which uni is expected to conjure up. Yeah, you're supposed to become an adult. Grow you up. You're supposed to become an adult in the space of three years or longer, depending on what course you do and what have you. But um so you have to confront a lot of things. Like you for once you're kind of by yourself, like you are only Mm -hmm. apart from work, you are basically accountable to yourself. Yeah. Um and I think that means that people, that's when you you get, if you want anyway, if you're reflective, because we've said before, not everyone is self-reflective. Go check our episode when we spoke about celebrity faves and not everyone is reflective about what they say. But hopefully you have the opportunity to go and reflect and think about your character and the things you like and things you don't like about it and things you confront. And then on top of that, you have to deal with the working aspect because uni, especially if you're going to like Oxford or Cambridge, there is work upon work upon work, which is being, it's being thrown at you. It's like they throw the kitchen sink of work at you and you have to do all of these things, making yourself into an older individual, and you're still being able to balance out work. And at some point in time, something cracks. There mm. is something in your life or personality which cracks. Um, and yeah, when you come out, you think, actually, yeah, you're not, thank God I've done all right. But in that very moment, when things just begin to go peak Tong, I either mm. go wrong, mm. you know. Like you just think, rah. And I think that's what it is. It's just the uni is like a pressure cooker. Mm, yeah. It's it's a combustion chamber. That's what it is. Would you us. say that moving into the workplace
2: or moving into life beyond uni, that you're better um able to talk about mental health or better able to, to get help or support?
3: I think you just like you've come to terms with it with, you know, the the existence of it and um the fragility of your mental health. Like I think before you have to confront it, you think, "Oh yeah, I'm fine." Like, you know, mental health is something that you know people that are under immense pressure go under, or like someone that's experienced like mad trauma in their life. Like, mm. that's that's mm. that's what mental health is. Like, if someone's been in an abusive relationship, or do you know what I mean? That's that's you think that that's when you you you, you suffer from or you can suffer from mental health issues. Um, whereas really, mental health is just like physical health. Like, there's gonna be times in your life where it fails um, and i still don't think that we're at that point where we we discuss mental health in the same vein as as physical health as something that's just matter of fact mm-hmm. um it's still it's still seen as a as a taboo and i think we'll come to that in a minute as um, like the the perception of like mental health um, specifically in the black community um but yeah i think w- as you as you get older and after the first time you're forced to confront your mental health um you're aware of it so you're gonna whether you talk about it the first time that it comes up or not. After the first time that you you're 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 forced to confront it and 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 treat it as something that's there and acknowledge it. I think it do, it does become easier to talk about it, um, but I wouldn't say like you know suddenly all your inhibitions are gone and mm-hmm. it's just an it's still it's still a taboo. Like um, mm-hmm. society society still treats. Um, I I mean I think our generation has got a lot better at discussing it. Um, now, I know, like previous generations, like with mental health, it's logo, it, it's, it, yeah, yeah, it's, no well, good, yeah, it's mm. it get, it's like it has this to be of like, oh, there must be something wrong with you, mm. in a kind of in a sinister way. If you're struggling with mental health, like most normal people don't have mm. poor mental health. But I think, like, thanks to you know the discussions that we're we're having, um, a lot of it on social media as well. Some of it good, some of it lacks nuance. Um, but we are at least talking about mental health a bit yeah, more. Man, so yeah,
0: I think that, that's really interesting, man. I think one thing um one thing I think where we fail to deal with mental health as a society is we one of the one of the things you'll hear from like medical professions professionals is like is due to some kind of inconsistency or some type of issue within your brain chemistry, like you're not producing enough serotonin or mm-hmm. enough dopamine, whatever the chemical is. But we rarely ever really tackle the wider societal causes of like anxiety and depression and these mm. different things right. We all see it as something that And I understand what you're saying Patrick about It should be seen in the same way like How physical health can fail yeah. you at some point But it is always I don't think it's just like some exogenous thing Where like boom my mental mm. health just flopped on me It's like mm. something causes that And I think that problem is societal mm-hmm. and, um, But
3: in the same way like with health There's, there's external factors that With physical health sorry There's mm. external factors that cause you know yeah. Yourself to Like your immune system Can't fight off Whatever virus Or whatever it is Yeah 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 There are There are, there are normally External factors That contribute to Negative physical health As well
0: Definitely, so, definitely yeah, yeah. But I think yeah. there's something like I don't know what it is I don't know what it boils down to But like mm. For instance There's this one um, guy um, It's called Johan Hari And he wrote a book um, Called Lost Connections I haven't read it yet But I've, I've listened to a podcast Is he a British journalist This year in, you know, I think he's Yeah he's a British He's an author. I don't know if he's a journalist as well.
3: Okay, his name rings a bell.
0: Yeah. Um, I think he grew up in East London, working class background right? have you. you okay. And he was trying to work out why people get, he, had, he suffered from depression for like 14 years. He got put on antidepressants and he was trying to wonder why, you know, how depression comes about, like what's the actual cause of it. And he basically bowled it down to when you have very kind of human needs not met, that's when you're going to suffer from mental health issues. Right. So obviously we have all our physical, the physical things we need um, to be provided for, food, water, shelter, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> but then you also have psychological this things that you- of,
2: uh,
1: have.
0: Anyone, has anyone heard of Maslow's hierarchy?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. So yeah. The, the, like, no. you kind of, it's what you're alluding to, saying mm-hmm. that we all have kind of our basic needs, food, shelter, this and this and this, but I believe at the top of the scale, the ultimate need is a sense of self-fulfillment mm-hmm. and purpose being achieved. When mm, yeah. I mean, people don't achieve this, it's kind of what you're saying is if people don't get to achieve this, they suddenly feel there is this delta in their life. There is this something that they could be doing that they're not doing for whatever reason. Mm, and mm. it kind of, you said, it just makes me feel that. It definitely, yeah. a lot it, of the, I wonder
2: if the bar for that has shifted so much lately.
1: 100%, um, man. And that's why... Yeah, 100%. No, there's yeah, no yeah. There's yeah. two ways about <laughs> yeah. it. And I say this... I say this because I often think that so social media, the Internet of Things, mm. has played a significant part in the way in which things are conducted. Um, years ago, and uh, so you I blame social media for the rise in people having mental health. No, that is that is, is, is a contrib- to blame. So Can't yeah, blame it yeah. entirely, but it's it's the it's the microwave society in which we live in. Yeah,
3: it's the it's the modern world mode that we live in. Like, I think we're exposed to so much more exposed to so much more information. Um, we have to process so much more information like if you think about like the world of someone 150 years ago mm. Like it was not very much bigger than you know their immediate village yeah. that they lived in They
1: got a horse yeah. to come visit them once a month and then here's the message yeah. from the outside world Yeah, yeah.
0: and it's something important about that itself like mm-hmm. the fact that your world is very much just like your immediate um, The people around mm. you, your family mm. There's a stronger sense of community than there is now like yeah and, yeah, and that's being crazy. connected to like yeah other people and that people that care for you mm. people that actually do you know what I mean if you're going through some crisis someone we'll actually about. pick up in it it's easy here yeah if yeah. you're going through a madness for you to just be in your room and no one even know like yeah do you know what i mean even yeah, within your mad. own house mm-hmm, So yeah. because
3: like the, the 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 irony is like you're connected to like the rest of the world mm. but mm-hmm. you're actually you're you're completely alone and because people know that you know you can be in your room for hours and probably be you know speaking to people on the other side of the world or on twitter or on facebook there's no there's no motive for them to come and check on you yeah yeah. Mm. whereas you know 150 years ago if you're just alone in your room for hours and hours and hours someone eventually is gonna be like is is this person is this person okay like Mm. you know we haven't heard from them in in a bit um but yeah i think it's it's that and it's also like it's it's um you spoke about this before, Tom. It's um, this like kind of comparison culture that we have as well. Mm, like when we, mm. people have very curated lives on social media. So you're only going to see the best bits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real talk. Um, and Real talk. yeah, so what you're what you're doing, even if you, you, know, you don't think that you do that subconsciously, it's very easy to be like, oh, this person's at that stage of their life. Look how well they're doing. Look how happy they are. Like, look how nice their clothes are. Look at their car. Look at all this stuff. And you know, you're, you're, you're subconsciously making comparisons with yourself. And you're like, oh, how comes I'm not there yet? What do I need to be there? Like what, and th- all of that, like that, and the fact that, you know, we- we're fed this information and um, a lot of like, so like the the news that spreads is often negative news, right? Yeah. So, you know, especially as-, as black people, every day on social media, like, you know, there's a new story about some sort of injustice or some sort of um, wickedness that's happened to a yeah. black person within the diaspora. And while it's good to obviously highlight these these instances, because you know things must change, mm. um, are we really thinking about how this is, this is affecting us on a personal level? Yeah, and
0: I don't, I don't very think true. we are. we're, yeah. we're getting constantly we re traumatised. Yeah, absolutely. you know, what? this makes me That's think it of is. this. This
1: makes me think of um, Lauren Hill. God bless her. She made she made when she did like I think it was unplugged. She did two songs. One was Adam lives in theory. Which is Adam was in theory Turner, trying trying to turn stone into bread, and the other is Ward, the Mind Freedom Time. And I'd say to anyone, especially our, our younger listeners, shy you guys, but go and listen. To, to I need to that. listen to that album again um, because there, she was at a point in mind where she was beginning to question the kind of um, not her state of mind, but she was beginning to question what society around her was, well, oh, I touched the mic, sorry. What, what's the, what um, society was doing to her and how she felt about things. Mm. And she was basically just saying, listen, and there was a point in time in, the, in that album. It's not an album, but, you know, whatever. She was saying how, listen, I'm only human and I will do things which are wrong. And she was honest and open about that. Was kind this of- before or after the... <laughs> 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 this is early bro this is early this is early so she this is damien marley was still very much in the picture and that this is a long time oh, okay so this zion is
3: that talking... Z- had zion been born yet or not
1: huh? had zion been born yet i don't know if Z- uh no because i mean she, but anyway the, the thing made, that i was referring zion, to so she made this after in it the so thing so the thing
3: that i was referring to if people don't know um so lauren hill was um basically <laughs> Singing about people not being right in one of her songs, and at the same time bumping uglies with Wycliffe John. But anyway, mm. sorry, I didn't mean to. Um, I just
1: yeah, I didn't mean to side down your point. But no, I'm, I'm sure sorry, she bro.
3: she was making. A, oh, she made
1: a valid point. Yeah, she made a valid point. But it's like, um, yeah, I, I came on social media as part of this because I'm a great believer that comparison is a thief of joy, mm-hmm. and I often think that. Um, I've said this before that people on social media. Is that what you said, Pat? People love to conjure up a vision of their life, mm. which they don't. Mm. Mariah Carey once said, I had a vision of love. Doesn't mean she actually had love. You understand? Jeez, okay. Anyway, go listen really? to vision of love because that song banked. Anyway, <laughs> the point being though, is people, people conjure up visions of what... Okay. Siri, of, Siri of, joining of, the of conversation as well. Of what, what they want. Yeah, I mean, shout out Siri. Like, but um, they, they, they conjure up this image of what they want people to think their life but do, is. But do you think, I, I
3: don't know, like, when, cause I'll obviously put like nice photos of, that I've taken or whatever. Like when I'm doing that, it's not like, oh, yeah, but I, I only want to, I, I consciously only want people to see the good side no, of but my life. Are you
1: frequently doing that? Are you frequently putting up for validation? Yeah, for validation. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Mm, we're talking I'm, about you know, i I'll be
3: completely honest. Sometimes I'm guilty of putting up things for validation. Mm. Honestly I think we all are too sorry I think yeah, everyone you know I mean?
2: is it's, it's part of it it's nowadays part of the human condition especially because, if you're raised mm, yeah. in this But this black reminds era, me of uh what's her name what uh,
1: Visa Bay mm-hmm. the, there's a girl who oh, hey. who uh, uh I don't know what happened but she had to apply oh, and pay 2 grand for a visa yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's given this extravagant life wearing bags that are far much more worth than two grand most of the time. But she was asking people to raise money she, for her. And now I think she had to do a crowdfunding effort. And then she went on, I think it's Channel 4 or Channel 5 held channel her four, and she yeah. said, oh, yeah. but none of the bags are mine. Um, and yeah, they were just my friends. And it was like, hold on, like, if you're really in need of that money and your life was as as you said it was, mm. surely you could have shifted some of those bags for the money to yeah. get yourself a visa, innit? And mm. it's like... I've seen it so many times. It's like I often one thing that annoys me about 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 social media in particular, especially Twitter, because that's the kind of very interactive platform as opposed to Instagram, which is picture, snap, video. And Mm. but one thing I find with Twitter is you find people who claim to be experts on subjects Mm. that are not experts on subjects, Mm. and when you go and ask them about certain things, they don't know what you're talking about, and you're like, and but you too, you are an expert because this is something like, for example. I, I work in finance and I enjoy what I do. There are some people on Twitter who talk like they know they're about finance. Okay. Yeah, you will go and chat to them about certain things. They do not know a damn thing. I'm not saying it for no one, by the way, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. They don't know a thing, a, a thing about finance. You go and ask them about, oh, did you see what this happened? This happened. It could be at the micro or the macro level. They won't tell you, but I've seen it on the screens in front of my face. And it's another thing as well. It's another thing as well, Hey, uh, girls. This is a message to girls because hear me out, yeah. You, you, uh, you will meet a guy. a Guy will tell you I work in banking front office. The question you must now ask that guy in particular is, does he have a Bloomberg terminal? If he doesn't have one, chances are he doesn't work in front office banking. Okay, I'm just Uncle, Uncle Swift, is. Uncle Swift. I'm not gonna call you Uncle Tom because that's yeah. <laughs> oh, he yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, so Uncle Swift. <laughs> um, so let me ask you, yeah. I want to bring it back to mental health. Yeah, yeah. sorry, So I've got another tangent, but yeah. that's the market is not, not makeup. But I'm I'm thinking, like, um,
2: in relation to mental health, what you're saying, it sounds like what you're saying is that you think social media <laughs> has massively impacted our view of ourselves and mm-hmm. therefore impacted. Mm-hmm. Our own mental health. People wear masks. And the idea that mm-hmm. social media, like, yeah. is is contributing to this mental health condition that we have as a society yes, people nowadays. People wear masks. Right? So moving forward, then, what would you? Because obviously, we're not gonna we're not gonna get rid of social
1: media. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we do? If you listen, if you need to get rid of social, you need to have a detox. Shout out my man who Kweku who came back from the mountains. If you need to take a detox of certain things to appreciate life a bit more, mm. you go and do that in it. But at the end of the day, my question is to people who are lying about. What they know, or they're lying about what they're trying to present. Fundamentally, who are you lying to? This race in life, who is it for? Why are you racing against people to suddenly mm. ah, man's driving a mini, so I'm driving a BMW, mm. or man's driving a smart, so I need to drive a Mercedes? For anyone, I'm saying this because they're deliberately under under the same OEM. But look, the point <laughs> being is this: <laughs> no, like, <laughs> the point. No, no but like, the point being so... is who 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 really in life are you competing against? Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing that this 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 life is created. Um, this this pressure cooker in life mm. has got to a lot of our brains mm. because we suddenly think, ah, my man is doing this, my girl is doing this. Why am I not doing this? And it's mm. like,
2: but in order for me to be successful, right?
1: Yeah, arguably, I have to compete. No? But whose definition of success are you using? Yeah, it's I'm true. Using
3: like this this system but, in which I live. But the thing like, is, what what I I'm think competing. what Tom what Tom is saying is that you what a lot of people are doing are they're competing against um, a simulated um, <clears throat> a simulated um, image of success it's mm. rather than um, being spurred on um, and having competition with people that um, are genuinely successful and have, have, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that people on Twitter aren't genuinely successful, but I'm saying the competition that you are, you're, you're, you're fighting against is something that is probably just, just the, it's image. just like a bubble. There basically. is an element you
1: know? of asymmetric information. Which You are not privy to okay, in the sense that when you tweet something, you know why you're tweeting that, but someone else and everyone else, all your followers don't know why you've tweeted that, they can just see the 140. I don't know if it's 280, I don't use it anymore, but how many words you put on there? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing like this, for example, when young people who are our age talk about the fact that they bought a house, we bless God, we praise God, but how many of these people that have bought a house from early have got a, a loan or a gift even from the bank of mum and dad that they're not going to go and talk about. And more time, if they were just honest saying, yo, my mom and dad worked hard for this. And this is a different discussion, but I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. More time if they were just honest, as opposed to, yo, look, I'm, and I'm not jealous, by the way. Get me? I'm so, just yeah. saying, like, but people there, just need what, to there's
2: be the honest. There's the idea that there's, there's, we're, we're receiving misinformation and false information yeah. and constructing our own standards of success based on false information, yeah. right? Yes. And that's... Those, that standard of to which we've like wanted to to live up to and aspire towards is affecting our mental health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but think I want to bring it back to what Patrick was saying before because we never actually went to it. What's that? about the like black community? Okay. In yeah. Particular, let's let's
3: open it up to that. Because, and mental um, health
2: because I think that there's a lot to be said.
3: Yeah. Funny enough, um, it was on social media that I saw um, I saw <laughs> quite. A, it was like it was funny and sad at the same time. But it was like, basically, um, someone had tweeted, um, you know, what it's like um, telling your, your your black family that you, um, you're you suffering from depression. And it was that scene um, from um, Everybody Hates Chris. I can't remember oh, what Chris yeah, did. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can't remember yeah, what he'd yeah. done, but he they were all at the dinner table. And literally everyone is just like laughing in his face. Like, like you know, that screaming laugh. Like, ah!
0: like, like <laughs> laughing.
3: And like, just like, just... Chucking food uh, yeah, like, chuck- like even even <laughs> Julius, out the room. Yeah, yeah, even yeah, yeah. Julius was like chucking food in his face, and yeah. like they just, <laughs> just they were just mocking him, like they just completely mocked it. Um, but yeah, someone tweeted like, "This is what it's like." I think trying to explain to your black family that you're depressed, and like, mm. I laughed, like I thought it was funny, but then at the same time, I was like, "Bruh," like, pff, what an indictment. Like, mm. um, I mean, yeah, it's it's it is something that you know we still struggle to talk about. I mean, personally speaking. Um, when it, when it's come to my own family, talking about mental health, I think, um, specifically with my dad, like, even though we don't have the most like smooth running, coherent conversations, it's still quite like, kind of, kind of like masculine, but he has been honest with me about his, you know, where he's at, um, with his mental health and, you know, where I've been at as well. And like, we, I think, especially since I've sort of grown up and like, you know, he sees me as like a, another man now, like mm. a, another person that he can have like, you know, um, fellowship with. We're able to 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 honestly talk about our mental That's health. Cool. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, black the black community, um, we do have a complicated relationship with mental health. Um, so I, I'd like to know from you guys that, like, you know, what do you think is the reason for that? Um, why do you think that is? I mean, one thing that people always say is, you know. There's that older dice that you know, black people, man. You know, almost like <clears throat> we're not wealthy enough to 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 be depressed. Like, you yeah, that mental you know health I mean? is like, a middle class a, problem. Yeah, mm. like we got m- more more important things or more immediate things to worry about than mental health. Yeah. It's like white white people cr- cry That's about depression. Thing,
1: yeah, yeah mm-hmm. but I'll very quickly come huh? I'll very quickly say oh, yeah. I attribute it a lot to having a pastor in your life or in the life of parents. Very briefly, what well, I'm saying is pastors. This. You know not sending it for pastors. I'm just saying. No, Billow is a pastor,
3: you know, so careful. Yeah, what Bishop Billow,
1: innit? I'm not sending it for Bishop Billow, but I'm saying that in the black community, um, especially among the older generation, um, the church is a hallowed institution. And sometimes the opinion can be thrown about it. if someone's not feeling all right and you can't actually see what the problem is then it is of a, quote, spiritual, unquote. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in spirituality very, very much. So I pay attention to, to these things. But sometimes when somebody is not feeling 100% all right, that's just something that just has to go and necessarily get checked by a professional. You get me? Like if someone's feeling anxiety or depressed or even something that is akin to those things, because I'm 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 not professional, I'm not here to self-prescribe or even prescribe on someone's behalf, but go and get that checked out. But sometimes you say, ah. Oh, I was feeling this way. Someone said, oh, it is, it is of, of the devil. Da, 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 da. The point being is that people need to actually take. I think the older generation should have taken their mental health a bit more seriously. And not, it's not everything that are, it's not everything that's the devil, the devil that has done this to mm. someone's life. More yeah. time is all right, if you're not fit. Because mental health is not just our uh, big, big things that uh, someone's mad anxious, someone's mad depressed, or even sadly, someone's mad suicidal. It can just be as simply as. I'm not feeling a hundred percent, and that can actually be something that is going on in the background that may necessarily yeah. have to go and get checked. Yeah, it's a small thing that so, that can can grow into something a lot more serious. I, I, I think
0: yeah, you know, what, you know interesting. Yeah. yeah, there was one study that was done. I forgot who by, but um, it was quite quite a comprehensive study, and they were saying how um, they they asked a lot of people in the UK and the US um, whether or not they were happy at their jobs. And 25% of people said they hate their jobs. 60, I want to say like 63% of people said that they're kind of like indifferent. Like it's just, they're neutral on It's just something they have to do to get by. Mm-hmm. And then whatever the 100 minus whatever I just mentioned was how many people that actually genuinely like their job. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it was was like 11% or something. Mm-hmm. So it's something that you do for the majority of your life. Mm. Oh, Comprised of out. so much of your day and you don't enjoy it, mm. how's that not gonna affect your mental health? That's only
1: yeah. 12%. I just did the quick maths,
0: Do you know what I mean? Mm. Oh, I so that's obviously a huge factor as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not but, finding satisfaction in your day-to-day mm-hmm. life. But maybe there.
3: that's um maybe you know that that um saying that you know um black people don't have time to worry about their mental health, maybe it's not as um facetious as we as we think it is. Because if you're talking about this thing of you know um job satisfaction and that, that having a negative effect on your mental health um our parents generation like when they would have like first come over or their parents first come over they didn't have the luxury of choosing a job that was fulfilling what I mean. they just yeah. had to ju- mm-hmm. they just mm-hmm. had to do it mm-hmm. a job is a job um whereas you know like now obviously you know we have much more <laughs> we have a bit more choice and yeah. um so maybe it's you know like we do have the luxury of being able to talk about mental health issues um, because before, like, you know, like if our parents was like, oh, you know, I can't come into work today because my men's, they just lose their job and then mm-hmm. lose their house. Or well, Maybe they you were just I mean?
0: more satisfied given that they had that limited choice. They were, yep. like, they were just happy with maybe. it. Whereas we have so much choice. It's didn't like, Russo
1: speak about this? That Russo spoke about living a life of fulfillment so long as it was in the confines of something that as human beings, right. that we need a limited choice of things. Right. right. Mm. And if it's like, so think you, about life as a set of train tracks, so long as we're moving along those train tracks, yeah. we can move at such high speed. You <laughs> had to bring back the trains, did it? <laughs> no, but you know Because I think Bilal, you, you told Tom me Tom loves this. trains just against you, didn't about, No, like you told that. me about Rousseau, the philosopher saying that, actually, if you, yeah. we have so many choices in life. And actually, if we just move along the, the train mm-hmm. tracks at as fast speed as possible, We enjoy life because we've removed so many constraints for us. Yeah,
3: Yeah, and I I think there is an argument for that. Like, you know, obviously this thing of like ignorance being bliss, but at the same time, it it can be um, that that philosophy can actually constrain you Mm. to not living out and fulfilling all the potential that you have. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's just the danger of life. Like, you know, like, you know, you can keep it in the comfort zone um, and just, you know, stick to what you know. Um, And, you know, chances are you'll probably, you know, you... Because you know you you stuck to what you know you it's it's a comfort zone you'll be okay but maybe you get to the end of life and think like wow could I could have done more or something but then the other side of that is you know like if you do you know put out these sort of grand illusions of where you're going to be and where you're going to get to and what like you run the risk of you know eventually disappointing yourself and I'm not mm-hmm. saying that this is like you know inextricably linked to mental health but i think it is like if we're talking about this philosophy of you know like sticking to what you know and just keeping your horizons Mm -hmm. quite narrow um i think that's that's the caveat really this is is
1: why sometimes i'll just quickly say this is why sometimes i think you have like creatives sometimes go a bit mad think about van gogh cutting his ear off Mm -hmm. and i don't know if he was manic depressive but you get all these kind of artists in particular who they end up producing wonderful pieces of work, mm, mm. but they are not satisfied with what they've done because there's, Man, like there's always, always more.
0: Maybe
3: do you know like you Kanye know is a
0: perfect example? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean,
1: I mean, I don't know. Like,
3: can we really? I, I don't know. I think Kanye's had like mental health issues for a while, but I, I don't know, don't know if you want to come to that. But mm-hmm. what I was gonna say is like this thing of like pursuit of knowledge, um, and I don't know, always sort of thinking that there's more, like. I think that just leaves you susceptible to having to eventually confront your your mental health because mm-hmm. it's like I don't know, like you know, like w- w- with um in 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 the Bible as well, and they talk about having like the tree of knowledge, and like you know, access to the tree of knowledge is actually what can can be your downfall. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like I, I, I'm yeah. not here to preach to anyone, but I think I've right.
2: got a whole theology tangent. But anyway, sorry. yeah, My but I,
3: I I definitely feel there is there is that thing of you know if you if you allow your horizons to be very broad and, you know, you you really, really push to, like, you know, the very limit of, you know, what you're capable of doing as a human being, you're going to have to eventually confront your mental health. So it's, like, a choice, is, really. Yeah, and on that know. note, I just want to think, like, I think our
2: understanding of mental health is still relatively new. Of in course, In comparison yeah. to, mm-hmm. like, the whole of human history, There's right? so much. Gosh, there's there's so, so much to, to learn. To um, and I'm just conscious that, you know, you sort of ranted on uh, today... And like we we barely scratch the surface of like what it even means or what mm. it even means to us. Cause there's been I can think of multiple occasions that I've even mentioned in this conversation of like me, my personal mental health being affected, or people in my very close vicinity being affected by their mental health or mental mm. illness as well. Mm. Mm. But I think with the fact that mental health itself is new as a as our understanding, a scientific understanding of it, mm. um, I think we should sort of wrap up the conversation with what might be um points to take away or ways to manage your mental health <laughs> mm. and i guess i'm gonna ask you because yeah. you, know, you know if anyone's had the most mad. recent experiences of how to manage
0: things It'd view yeah uh, I, don't, I don't know because it's trying to go into detail about this without going into detail about this because <laughs> i was trying to chat to obviously earlier i was trying to bring about it and i was going on mad tangents but um meditation for me is something that I really strongly recommend to people to consider taking on as a way of not just managing mental health, but just as a daily practice, just to maintain um, a certain level of level-headedness that you balance. need to go out in the world. Eh? Balance. Balance. yes, balance. Barclays yeah, balance. <laughs> <Backless> balance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, obviously I went on these, I've been on a few of these 10-day um, retreats, right? And I guess the fundamental... I mean, people, when people people think about meditation, they think it's just to level um, to um, reduce stress or to kind of have a quiet time or to just kind of uh, uh, essentially another form of escapism. At its deepest level, it's really to gain insight on how the world really is and to act accordingly to it. So, mm. if you think about even um, this is a lot of things you talk about just now, Patrick, about how your you're kind of when you have such a um, a wide perspective of what you can be doing, you end up kind of essentially chasing more and more, and thinking there's more that you can be acquiring, right? Mm-hmm. Um Meditation and and one of the things that it teaches it or that you begin to observe is the whole concept of what they call a Nietzsche, which you might remember from that Buddhism, and I'm sure Belal remembers that. But it's the law of impermanence, so things are constantly changing, right? And being able to act in accordance with that is to know that, okay, when things are going well, I can appreciate it in that moment, mm. but not crave it and not think, okay, yeah, this is going to continue forever. Mm. And similarly, when things are going, not things aren't going too well, mm. then also to acknowledge that, okay, I'm going through this. is not to be blind to the fact that you're going through something, but to acknowledge a soul that, again, this is impermanent, so, This will pass. So it's
3: understanding the temporal nature of circumstance that it can change.
0: It's Very much so. But within... context of the body so observe actually observing that law within the context of your body that's what meditation really is okay so one thing that you do is to observe sensations in your body right right and the reason why you do this is because if you think about your mind there's essentially and this is the way i guess the Buddha whoever kind of came up with it explains but there's four parts of your mind there's the cognizing part which is just your body just kind of Reacting to the senses, Steemless. like, yeah, yeah, smell, taste, etc., yeah. etc., et mm. Recognizing where the brain then says, okay, cool, this is the taste of chocolate. This is the smell okay. of whatever. Mm-hmm. Then there's the evaluating part where your brain says, okay, this is good. This is bad. I like the taste of chocolate. I don't like the smell of duty, whatever, whatever <laughs> the case is. Generally. And then finally, this is usually where we um, kind of cut off. We say, okay, yeah, what we are reacting to in life is um, the evaluation that like, this is good or bad, but there's a level deeper where it's essentially each of these emotions has a corresponding sensation, like a physical sensation on your body. Right. So when you um, experience something that, is, or that you've evaluated as pleasurable, you have a pleasurable sensation on your body. Mm. Similarly, if something's negative, you have an unpleasant sensation on your body. Mm. And what we as humans crave or are averse to are those physical sensations. So the reason why we then observe sensations in meditation is so that we can look at it objectively and it's so mad. Like After three or four days of like doing breathing meditation, you, you, your mind becomes so sharp, you can literally feel different types of sensations on your body. Mm. And you're meant to look at it pleasant or unpleasant say, okay, cool, I'm going through this sensation, but this can change. This is going to change. Mm. And this is essentially retraining your mind so that when you're out in the real world, outside of your meditation, you can react to real life experiences the same way acknowledging objectively like i'm going through this situation or this thing happened however this is going to change and um yeah that's kind of like the, the the base the basis the foundation of it but again that's only one aspect and there's so many different aspects of it mm. that i can't really go into but like even the idea of like um the illusion of indiv- individualization so like the idea that we are separate from each other as opposed to being like one kind of organism essentially yeah um, and if you kind of go through like, evolutionary biology and you, essentially it does kind of come to the idea where we are essentially one living organism, but we have this idea of individual. I hate saying that word, individualization, through due to capitalism and due to other systems that we've we've kind of organized under. Um, sorry, I went on a mad tangent, but that's just to give no, context, man, to meditation. No, no, is, no, no man. Um, So that's something I definitely recommend, even if it's not to. Immediately jump in, do a 10-day meditation retreat because it's definitely very hard. But um, but I still recommend it. And if you actually have questions about it, at me, Slim Wednesday, because I'm happy to answer any questions. But um even like a simple breathing meditation, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes in the morning evening, that will do a lot just to calm your mind, to mm-hmm. make you more level-headed, to give you even focus at work. Like mm-hmm. there's so many benefits, mm-hmm. reduce stress. And yeah. these are all like people that are a bit um skeptical of these kind of things they need like hard science and whatever to prove so many papers so much research that have proved has proven that meditation has um, tangible benefits to your physical and mental health so mm. definitely definitely um meditation is a big one for me okay any other
3: um i think for me so sometimes um i struggle with um anxiety uh, and in the past where i've had when i struggled with depression as well um one thing that I realise is actually um, having a connection with nature is so important. Um, it's so important. Just um, not not even just when like my mental health is struggling. Um, I think just in, in, a, in a way, I guess, because I've never really done meditation before, but I think that's a way that I've kind of almost um, by accident stumbled upon a form of meditation for myself. Um, so it's a way of grounding myself. So if I take myself out of my immediate situation or my my immediate circumstance, which is probably causing me anxiety, or even if I don't know where the anxiety is coming from, when I take myself out of wherever I am, normally I'll probably be, you know, at work or at home, on my phone, um, a lot of the time on my phone, taking myself out of that situation and grounding myself in nature. And what do I mean by that? So like going for walks in, No green places, green spaces, Mm -hmm. Um, having that kind of um, getting yourself away from um, technology and and the mechanical aspects of our society and placing yourself in the middle of nature. Um, I'm lucky that where my parents live, they live quite near to a forest. Mm -hmm. Um, So my dad actually goes there every day to like kind of run, train and kind of um, pray and meditate himself. Um, and he was send us like videos in the family WhatsApp chat. And like, I'll just watch those videos. And even that in itself is just like, it's really coming for me. But yeah, when I can, I like to get myself into nature. and just listen to like the wind, birds singing, you know, just, just, I, I think as human beings, like we're not really supposed to be surrounded by this much technology and mechanics. Like yeah. we definitely, I, I think as, as creatures, we, we crave um, nature. We crave being around nature, at least. I'm a, i can only really speak for myself. Um, but like, yeah, again, like I think one of the reasons I really love living in Rio as well is cause I had that, um, behind uh, my apartment, there was like, you know, this big rainforest. I lived two blocks from the beach and like that for me on so many occasions, like it was, um, it was a real, um, no, I, I don't want to be as dramatic and say as a lifesaver, but I think, you know, like, um, accumulatively it's it's so important for um, for your health, so yeah, for me, like to ground myself. If I need to ground myself and just, um, I guess, decrease my anxiety and just kind of recenter my 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 chakras. I don't even know if that makes any sense, but <laughs> if I need to just recalibrate, mm. um, it's so important for me to connect with nature.
0: That's a really good point, man. My lad, Tom, um, Uncle Swift, God bless you. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, I I say to anyone. Um, find an activity uh in a safe space that kind of works for you that just gives you a break from life yeah. Um yeah i used to go to a spin class i mean i still go to a spin, spin class but i used to go to a spin class called cycle a lot and it was a it was you just spin in a dark room with good music and sometimes they'd be playing really good music so there was one one lady actually she just played lots of grime and like Bashman and you know UK rap and that and yeah I mean she was half training yesterday so that should kind of where was me. this? Yeah. Uh, it was a place called Cycle. I'm gonna plug it anyway. I'm, where is I'm it? not paper but it's uh, in Canary. It was one Canary Wharf, one okay. in Shoreditch, and then one in try get them to Oxford me. Street called Shoreditch. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should is talk it, to, them it, to plug. Is it black owned or? I don't think it is. Okay, yeah, but, the, but okay, but it, yeah, There's a couple yeah. black instructors there though, is That's and cool. There, That's a really good true. idea. But hey, the, the point being, the point being is I found Cycle to be a very. Um safe space for me because um, you can literally just get away from it and you don't i mean when you do something and you don't realize where you are and suddenly time just stands still in a good way i think that's kind of what you need because mm. that just when you let your mind just pass and you allow thoughts in your mind to kind of just pass by and you don't have to do anything with those thoughts that's when you achieve something i, I think for your body for yeah. your well-being so mm. yeah my closing my closing thought would literally just be for me um because
2: i suffer from mild anxiety disorder anyway so whenever i feel like anxious i just take myself out and go for a little walk um breathing exercises have worked really well for me and like these guys already said connecting with nature but also making time to get support from the right people Mm because i think often um seek what you can get very bogged down in how you're feeling and that can make you want to withdraw from the world yeah. but actually actively finding the right people to be mm. around i yeah. get a lot of energy from that so mm. i'd highly mm. plug that but yeah, yeah man
0: yeah man all, all really good points man i definitely would recommend anyone that's going through something or just don't even don't even wait till you're going through a situation to start implementing some of these procedures and these kind of uh, kind of like rituals i guess in, in your day-to-day mm. life mm. um I guess before we close, just one final point I wanna make is a lot of the stuff we talked about just now was what you can do as an individual. And that's very important because at the end of the day, it's only, I guess it's up to you to kind of look after yourself and look after your mental health. But when your mental health issues are caused by societal problems, I think there needs to be some kind of societal solution as well. Mm -hmm. So I think definitely we need to start Mm -hmm. holding governments and you know people that have yes, i guess quick. greater um power over um the, the majority of us to um yeah to essentially change systems or create systems which allow us to i guess that's that's accommodating to you such that we were less likely to have these deal with these issues like depression and anxiety be the home secretary telling me <laughs> <laughs> Where, it's, yeah it's a bit it's a bit mad with this um, <laughs> this current government and yeah. yeah funding for it will probably be a myth but in terms of like, even in a workplace for instance there's certain things that I think like and I, I, I mean I don't have to answer the top of my head but I'm, I'm sure there's certain things that in fact there's a random example right there was um, I think it's like a biking company it, essentially at first there was like um, you have your one boss they had a couple of employees And then those two employees left and said, hold on, we're doing all the work while our boss is getting all the money. All right. So what can we do? Um, Let's set up our own thing where we're still doing the same work. But let's have it as a workers, uh, a democracy, sorry, a workers, democratic, cooperative. cooperative." And And that changed so many things because now they are seeing a share of the profit. They are deciding what work they need to do and they are delegating the tasks, even though that crap tasks that like, no one wants to do, they're delegating it equally mm. between all the employees. And that has such a boost on the mental health of the people working there because they have more buying into their company. They want to see it do well. Mm, that's um, so sick. that's one thing, like we need to kind of reorganize how like the working the working world, like how many hours we're doing, like so many different things that we can really improve
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and making sure our basic needs are covered as well. So there's a lot of people talking about universal basic income and that kind of thing a lot of people kind of shut it down early saying that it's not practical, it's not feasible. But when they've done studies where they've had like small towns and they've given them a a basic income to meet their necessities, again, depression goes down, anxiety goes down. Mm. People um, are free to try to take on other jobs, do more creative tasks, spend more time with their family, Mm. all of these things which lead to better mental health. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think we need to definitely like lobby, you know, governments and, and our workplaces to... Make some of these changes mm. But yeah Just to wrap up Thank it's you guys for this discussion. conversation It was cool. a really good Really good conversation Good Hope to be back good time Yeah definitely back. back Welcome <laughs> back bro <laughs> Appreciate it man Appreciate it um, But yeah listeners um, At us OTB Podcast UK Any questions Any thoughts Comments um, And yeah Take care Enjoy the sun yeah, It's nice out here